Balthazar's friends? Absolutely. Do you remember their names? No, but that's... Uh, <laughs> I, I have my sermon running through my head right now, so... Oh, really? I am ready to roll. So why don't you pray Okay. for me and for us, and then, because you're 10 minutes into my time. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this chance that we have to be together today here in this place of worship. And Lord, I thank you that uh, in the midst of our worship, we can have some fun, Amen. we can laugh, uh, we can smile. Lord, help us, to remember, um, help us to remember that you've created us to be people who receive and who share joy. And Lord, even as we know that we're in a difficult world, even as we know that we face difficult things, and even as we know that difficult things are still yet to come, Lord, help us to be people who focus on you and find joy in the lives that you've called us to. Now, bless Pastor Steve as he brings us this message today. Help him to say everything that needs to be said and nothing that doesn't need to be said. Lord, this is our prayer all of the time, but especially now, through the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, as you heard, today is the first Sunday in Advent. And just for those of you who don't know what Advent means, Advent means arrival or coming to a place. And so this Advent season leading up to Christmas, we're looking forward to the birth of Christ. And since we're in the Advent season, you would think we would have a series of messages about the coming of Christ. But Pastor Jesse said, nope, we're going to continue our series in Revelation. So I was like, okay. But you know what? It fits in beautifully. Revelation 15 and 16, as you will see, fits in beautifully to the whole idea of Advent. So how does Advent tie in to Revelation? Well, let's go back 2,600 years to the land of Palestine. So a nation of Israel that was divided into two kingdoms. You have the northern kingdom called Israel. You have the southern kingdom called Judah. And to the northern kingdom, you have Elijah and Elisha. And you have Amos and Hosea. And they were there telling the people to turn back to God. You need to listen to what God has said. You need to repent from your sins of idol worship. And you need to worship God alone. And the people responded with an enthusiastic indifference. So what? Who cares? The southern part of the kingdom was called Judah, and there were two tribes out of the 12 that made up the tribe of Judah. And Micah and Jeremiah and Zephaniah and Nahum and Habakkuk, they were there in the land of Judah telling the people to follow Yahweh. You need to believe in him. You need to worship him alone. And the southern kingdom of Judah, they kept flip-flopping back and forth between worshiping God and worshiping idols. Then came Babylon. And they came in and they took over 
the whole land of Palestine. And the books of Daniel and Jeremiah talk about this. That was in the early 600 BC. And then 586 BC, Jerusalem was destroyed. There was no longer any kingdom of Israel or of Judah. It was all under Babylonian rule. And in the midst of being hauled off as slaves, in the midst of being torn out of their homeland, there were still messengers that said, listen, there are better days coming. There's going to be a Messiah who's going to come. He's going to save all of us from our sins. You have people like Isaiah and Jeremiah saying, there is a king that is coming. Take heart. Take heart in your suffering. Take heart in all the pain and anguish that you feel being separated by, from your family. <laughs> Take heart because there is a king that is coming. Just like today, in the midst of our pain and suffering and anguish, in the midst of a culture that cares less about God, folks, there is a king that is coming. He's coming again for us. Take heart. Take heart. For you see, just as judgment came to the nation of Israel, Babylon and the Assyrians, just as judgment came because they too refused to believe in God and worship him alone. There is judgment coming today on this world for those who refuse to believe in God and to worship him alone. That brings us to Revelation chapter 15. That wasn't me, honest, I didn't do it. That brings us to Revelation chapter 15 and 16. And just like the messengers, the prophets of old, I am here to tell you to believe in God and to worship him alone. Do not respond with indifference. Do not respond like, ah, who cares? I'm just going to go my own way. Because just like the Israelites saw judgment come, we too will see judgment come. Revelation 15 begins with John saying that he saw another great and marvelous sign. He says, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues. Last because with them, God's wrath is completed. John sees the sign that he calls great and marvelous. I, we don't know why. He doesn't give other descriptions to the visions that he saw this way, but he says, these are great and marvelous. Seven angels appear with the seven last plagues of God that he's going to use to judge the people of the earth. 
Now, these seven angels may be the same seven spirits mentioned in chapter 1, verse 4, and also again in chapter 8, verse 6. But this is the last series of judgments that God is going to pour out on those who do not believe in God. And somehow, we don't know, somehow John knew that these were the last of the plagues. These were the last of the judgments. John just says, these are the last seven plagues. And then John continues his description in heaven. And I saw what, uh, saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed." After this, I looked, and I saw in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle, the covenant law, and it was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels with the seven plagues. They were dressed in clean, shining linen, and wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. John says he saw this area in front of the throne. And he describes it in chapter 4 of Revelation. And in chapter 4 of Revelation, he describes it as a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In chapter 15 here, he says there's a sea of glass, but it's mixed with fire. And the idea here, I think, in John's vision here in 15, where it's mixed with fire, is that this is the fury of God's wrath that he's poured out upon the earth. And then... Says, standing beside the sea of glass are those who have been slain during the tribulation. These are those who held fast to their convictions, who held firm to their beliefs in the midst of harsh persecution. But they endured. They endured through all those trials and tribulations. It says they praise God by singing the song of Moses. And it's a song of thanksgiving, and it's a song of praise, such as Moses taught the Hebrew people after they were rescued out of Egypt. John says, Then he saw the seven angels that came out of the temple wearing clean and shining linen. And these angels had the bowls of God's wrath. John also says in, his, in that vision where said the smoke filled the temple. 
You know, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 6 and Isaiah's vision of heaven and the temple, you know what he says? The same thing. It says, the smoke of God's glory filled the temple. That brings us to chapter 16 of Revelation. And in chapter 16 of Revelation, we have the pouring out of the last of God's judgments on the unbelieving earth. Verse 2 in chapter 16, it talks about ugly and painful sores on everyone who has the mark of the beast. The second bold judgment is found in verse 3. And it is where the sea is turned to blood. And every living creature in the sea dies. Just think of the stench of that. The third bold judgment is in verse 4. Not only is the salt water turned to blood, but now you have the rivers and the springs turned to blood. You know what? That has already happened. You look at the plagues in Egypt. That's what God did then. And you know what? If God did it then, during the days of Moses and the Hebrews in Egypt, he certainly can do it again. So think about that. All the salt water is turned to blood. You have the springs and the rivers turned to blood. What are you going to drink? If we go back to chapter 11 in Revelation, we find that the two witnesses that came said that it's not going to rain. It's not going to rain at all. Just like in the days of Elijah. So already you have a time of drought. And the water that is now available has been turned to blood. Tough times. That is tough times. There's another interesting thought to note. In chapter 7 of Revelation, verse 1, it says that there are four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, and they are holding back the four winds so that no wind should blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And if there is no wind, of course, you don't have any rain, do you? So it's very, very feasible that there has been no rain. There's no wind. There's no clouds. It's a time of unbelievable drought. Let's go back to chapter 16, verse 5 now. Verse 5 says this. Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, notice his words. 
You are just in these judgments, O Holy One. You who are and who were, for they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets. And you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. Here we have an angel who's apparently in charge of the waters. In our angels class, we learned that there are angels who have different responsibilities. And one responsibility apparently here is that there's an angel in charge of the waters. And this angel has said, you are just in these judgments, O holy one. Now, God just turned all water to blood. And yet this angel is now saying, you are just, God, in what you have done. Why is God just? I mean, he is pouring out his wrath on the earth. How is God just and holy? Well, because, as it says in verse 6, for the people that this is affecting, they have killed the holy people. They have killed those messengers that God has sent to tell them, repent, turn from your wicked ways, believe in God, worship God. These people have killed those messengers. If you go back in Revelation, in chapter 6, it says this. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who have been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they have maintained. So these are the people that were the messengers during this tribulation time. These were the people who were there to tell others about God and believing in God. And here, these people are saying, verse 10 in chapter 6, they called in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Here he is in chapter 16. He is avenging their blood for how the people who were on the earth treated the messengers of God. Pretty desperate situation, isn't it? Man. All right, let's go down to verse 8 in chapter 16. We find the fourth bowl judgment. And this is where the sun is scorching people with fire, and they were seared with intense heat. Now remember, they already have sores on them. They don't have water to drink. They're facing intense heat. And look how they responded in verse 9 of chapter 16. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God. Why did they curse the name of God? Why was that their response? Because you know why? <laughs> they knew exactly who was making these things happen. 
They didn't blame somebody else. They didn't blame, you know, brother. They didn't say it's all Wilmer's fault. No, they didn't blame other people. They knew exactly who was doing this. And they cursed the name of God who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify God. Isn't that amazing? Their response. They knew who's responsible, but yet they refused to repent of their sins. The fifth bold judgment is in verse 10. It's a little perplexing because it says that the kingdom was plunged into darkness. Now, it's not, we're not sure whether it's total spiritual darkness or whether it's actual physical darkness. We, we don't know. We don't know whether it was just in one location, in one area where the capital of the one world government is, or we're just not sure. Um, but if the whole kingdom was thrown into darkness, the whole kingdom was worldwide, actually, because of the one world government. So it's possible that the whole earth could have been plunged into darkness. That happened one other time when Jesus was crucified and he died. And it says that there was darkness over the earth. It's going to happen again. So I'm not sure where this, what this darkness is going to entail. I'm not, not quite sure. But if we take it as it is written here, and it talks about darkness as opposed to light, it's going to be pretty dark in the whole world. So this next judgment that happens is kind of interesting. The sixth bowl judgment, as explained in verse 12, says, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its waters was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Now, it's called the Great River Euphrates because it's 1,800 miles long. And it runs from the north down to the south. In fact, the headwaters from, for the River Euphrates starts at a mountain called uh, Mount Ararat. And if that sounds familiar, look up Genesis 8.4. And it says that this river that runs down through to the Arabian Sea, it cuts through Syria and Iraq, and it is now dried up. So it allows for the kings from the east to come to the west, to come to the land of Israel. And you know, when it's dark and you don't have to tread through waters, it makes it kind of easy to navigate. Let's look at verses 13 and 14. 
Then I saw three unclean spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These are demonic spirits that perform signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. See, this is the unholy trinity of Satan. You have Satan, you have the Antichrist, you have the false prophet. It says, and out of their mouths come unclean spirits like slimy frogs. Now, why out of the mouth? Well, because the mouth is used to say things that can influence people to go one way or another. And so, out of the mouth of Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet, the speech comes forth. Why? Why would this have to happen? Um, Really? Well, do you remember what's been happening? The people have sores, okay? The people don't have drinking water, so they are thirsty. And now it is dark. How would you be feeling right about then? Pretty bummed out, wouldn't you? And you know what? Satan is so desperate, he is not going to give up. He is not going to say, okay, here's the white flag. I quit now. Absolutely not. He is going to do everything possible to rally the troops against God one more time. That's why you have these unclean spirits coming out of the mouth of the dragon and the beast and the false prophet to rally the troops to bring them against God one more time. Now we come down to verse 17. The angel, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. Then there came flashes of lightning and rumblings Peals of thunder and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon, the great, and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones, each weighing about 100 pounds, fell on people. And they cursed God on the account of the plague of the hail, because the plague was so terrible. If it's still dark, you can't see those hailstones coming, can you? Think about that. What a horrific picture. It's absolutely terrible what people are going to have to suffer because of their unbelief, because they refuse to believe in God. That's why we are here telling you to repent, to worship the one true God. 
because judgment's coming. Just like in the days of the tribes of Israel, judgment is coming. And as you heard the angel who was in charge of the waters, God, you are holy, you are true. What you have done is right. Man, think about that, all that. Do you know why that has to happen? Because God is a holy and just God. If he wasn't, he'd just be like us. Hey, no problem, let's just have a party and just have a good time and really, that's, that's it? <laughs> But because God is a holy God, he has to judge sin. And we, we have a foretaste of what's going to happen. Here it is. It's, it's written here for us in Revelation. This is going to happen. Do you know why I fully believe that this is going to happen? Because Jesus came to earth. Because if God was not going to judge sin, if God was going to say, hey, you know what? I just, I'm just going to let it slide. No problem. If God did that, Jesus would not need to come to earth. But because Jesus came to earth, because he lived a holy life, a perfect life, and he died on the cross, to provide a way of salvation for us so we don't have to face his wrath and his fury. That's why I believe this is going to happen. Because Jesus is saying, look, folks, <laughs> this is going to happen. But here is a way that you don't have to experience my wrath. Believe in Jesus as your Savior. Trust in him. And you know what? Come to think of it, we're the reason for the season. You know that? We're the reason for the season. Because if it wouldn't have been for our sins, Jesus didn't have to come. We are the reason for this Advent season. Because God loved us so much that he didn't want us to face his wrath and his fury. So he provided Jesus as our sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Yeah, <laughs> we're the reason for the season. So when you talk to somebody, maybe you know, in the grocery store or in Walmart, you can say, hey, do you know what? You're the reason for the season. That's right. You're the reason for the season because of John 3.16. For God so loved you that he sent Jesus, which is why we have Christmas. So that if you believe in him, you won't perish. You won't experience God's wrath, God's fury. You're the reason 
for the season. Father God, thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus, which is why we celebrate Advent. We can look back at his first coming and know that he came to die on the cross for our sins so that if we believe in Jesus, we don't have to experience your wrath, God. So thank you. Thank you for providing a way for us. Lord, we give you thanks for these chapters and revelation that gives us a heads up of what's going to happen in the future. Lord God, I pray that you would burn these thoughts into our hearts and into our minds. Lord, that we would remember what you are doing here in trying to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. God, help us to be part of that as we tell people that they are the reason for this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us one more time as we bring praise and honor to our Lord and Jesus Christ. All hail the power of Jesus' name. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Ye chosen seed of Israel's race, ye ransomed from the fall. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Let every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball to him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. To him all majesty ascribe and crown him Lord of all. Oh, that with yonder sacred throng we at his feet may fall. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all. We'll join the everlasting song and crown him Lord of all.
Thanks for joining us this morning. Go in peace. Have a great week.